0: Well, I think there was a survey that was put out that said um, if you could list off the things that you would be interested in attending a church, if you currently don't attend a church, one of the things at the top of the list was there has to be at least three offering baskets during the course of the worship service. I don't want to go to a church with just one offering. I don't want to go to a church that... Uh, so we have uh, multiple options for you today, but um, from my perspective, this is these are um, always fun times when... Um, you know, especially when you can combine a communion offering, which occurs about once a month, but then uh, a special opportunity for giving. Uh, There's no compulsion. We know that you, um, you know, you'll be faithful where you can and give as you feel led. But uh, the idea is we just want to be engaged uh, and active, not just through the ministries of the church, but inside of outreach as well. And I know that a, a $5 Wawa gift card does not change anyone's life, but maybe it does just say that uh, here's a word of encouragement, uh, that we are with you, that we're for you, just in the same way this, as our ultimate message is that God is with you and God is for you, so is uh, a local body of people. And so that's, that's really a hope for that. And so, um, you know, give as you feel led uh, in that regard. Uh, one announcement that you probably saw on email this week, but if you did not uh, check your email or you don't receive St. John's emails, uh, uh, the Staff Paris Relations Committee, um, has extended an offer, as you know, Andrea Targonsky. Her last day as the nursery school director was this past Friday, and so uh, the new uh, nursery school director is Miss Heather Shuck. And so uh, Heather begins officially on the 15th, but she's been active and and working before that, and so we're excited to have her and excited for St. John's Nursery School uh, beginning about a month late, uh, in part because of the director position, but in part just because of all the other stuff going on. So. Um, Back to school is about uh, one month away for them, and so uh, be in prayer for uh, that ministry and the life of the church uh, as well. So we've been reminded over the past uh, several months that the church is not a building. uh, The church is not a set of events. The church is not a particular study at a particular time of the day in a particular room. uh, That it's bigger than that, that you and I are part of the people of God and we're part of the movement of God. And that also means then that we are connected with a local body, or we should be. Every believer should be connected with a local body where we do life together. We challenge one another, we sharpen one another, we equip one another, we serve together. In fact, those one another statements, there's about 10 of them throughout the New Testament that are regularly used of what it means to be in community and to be in Christ together. And so as we've highlighted that, we've recognized that life looks different for the Church of Jesus Christ for us locally over these past few months. And so relationships maybe are a tad bit more distant. Things that used to be life-giving inside of our spiritual life are either put on hold or done differently. And while the church has never closed, there is a portion of what it means for us to be faithful followers of Christ that is attached to things and to people and to events that have not happened. And so it's been difficult Because life is comprised of relationships, and we are meant to do this thing one another, with one another, uh, for one another, in one another. And so as we go kind of back to the fall, this would be typically a time of the year where we would focus on uh, relaunching inside of the fall months. And so we would have a back-to-school blessing, a backpack blessing we used to call it, but there's a little bit less backpacks this year than on on a normal year. And so uh, a back-to-school blessing, we're still going to do that. We would have kind of a a launch Sunday or a vision Sunday. And uh, so this year, really, uh, I've chosen just to kind of focus our time together over these next uh, three weeks, including today, uh, under this uh, heading of what it looks like to prioritize your faith this fall, to prioritize faith this fall, because uh, these things are different. And and we walked through March and April and May thinking that this was just the season that we were going to get through. And so the church is going to shut down for three weeks. Or maybe, you know, there's going to be an extended season where we're not going to meet. And then it was summer, and summer is different anyway, so we did the best that we could. But now as we head back to the fall, there's the reality that things are still different with no necessarily end date of when it's going to be back to normal, if that even is a thing that's going to happen. And so what does it look like for us then as a local church uh, to go into the fall, recognizing that there is... Uh, A responsibility that we have to be faithful witnesses of Christ in our community. We have a responsibility also to place God first inside of our lives and to be people who grow and uh, to be people who prioritize worship and what it means to, to serve and be connected in life giving relationships. How do we continue to do that and intentionally do that inside of the situation that we're in? Your rhythms are disrupted. There are people that you're used to seeing that you don't see, or it's more difficult to see, or you see less often. We want to serve, but maybe the way in which you serve was to make a ministry happen that is currently on hold, and so we feel like we're just drifting. And so heading into this fall, our goal is, as individuals, as families, as a local church, we don't want to just drift into waiting until whenever things get back to normal. We want to be intentional and proactive about our faith. And so over the past three or four weeks, this has kind of uh, sparked uh, this kind of language in me that is centered around this, what it means to prioritize faith for the fall. And there's been uh, several different things that I've come across or have thought about or even have written about. And the first dimension is that we need to be intentional. This is not a time to drift. This is not a time to just, oh, I'll I'll do whatever I feel like doing or, you know, whatever seems to be okay in the moment. That may have worked for us in the spring. It may have worked for us during the summer. But uh, as you know, fall, even this fall, there is something that begins to take root in us. Uh, that we get things back going, we get things back on track, and that's true inside of your spiritual life as well. So we want to be intentional uh, to prioritize faith inside of our lives. The second is we recognize that uh, no longer can we root our faith simply in events. Show up Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and that's what it means to prioritize faith inside of your life. Programs, meaning if I could just be a part of something, and I'm going to commit to something that kind of makes it easier. Prioritize faith, and it means get here at this time in this place. And that's part, you, you and I both know that, that's part of the battle is just getting there. Right? And, and that's not going to be as much the case this year. And then certainly in general, just this one size fits all that we could just put out a, as, as a church. Here's our calendar. Here's our ministries. This is what we do. Come do it with us. Is not as much going to work this year. The other thing I've been thinking about is there's no grand reopening. When the whole pandemic started, I I thought, you know, we would be out for some, you know, indefinite amount of time, but then there would be a point where whatever it was that there would be the all clear that would sound and there would be this uh, jubilant return to church and everybody would be walking in and, you know, I imagine, you know, people would be like shouting or playing trumpets or, you know, we would all come walking in and you would have, you know, just your, your bag of gold that you would throw in the offering, almost like the return to the temple. The exiled people have returned. Uh, the people who have been wandering in the desert. We finally reached the promised land. And just like you, cr- you know, cross that golden shores and into the promised land, we would all come back. There, there would be a halo over my head that would not be the, the shine on top of my baldness. There, you know, there would just be this wonderful moment where we would be all back to church. Honestly, in my mind, I thought that that would be next Sunday, September 13th through the summer you get past labor day september 13th you could not contain the number of people who would be in this room and and the rejoicing and and everything would be wonderful and you know that's not what's happening instead our reopening is well you know what it looks like because you're living it where maybe some of you were here six weeks ago that when we first opened the doors you were ready you felt comfortable you put on the mask you came to church some of you, maybe you are, are here now for the second or third week. Maybe you missed a week in there. Maybe you're here for the first time today, or maybe you're watching, thinking that maybe next week we're ready. And it's just kind of a, a little bit at a time we begin to re-engage physically with what it means to be part of the people of God. We're all in different places. Your medical condition is different than mine. Your family size is different than mine. Your weekly schedule is different than mine. The way you feel about COVID in general is different than my perspective. The way in which you're addressing reality is different. The number of minutes it takes you to drive to the church is different. We're all in different scenarios. And maybe before there was a great equalizer, that church could be the one thing that we all did together either at 8.30 or 11. That Wednesday night could be the one thing that we all do together. Again, that one size fits all is not going to work anymore, but we also have to realize that we're in different places. And finally is, we need a strategy. Now, that might not be surprising, but that is not we. The church needs a strategy. That means we, as families, as individuals, we need to be strategic this year more than ever because it's not just on autopilot where we go back to church and you, you know, roll into a Sunday school class or you drop your kids off at youth group on Wednesday night. This year more than ever, we need to be strategic about how we want to prioritize faith inside of our life. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what this means uh, of how we bear one another, how we engage one another. This is a time, I think, also where we need to show grace and value and prioritize relationship over being right or being loud or being clear about our thoughts. That if we recognize that we're all in different places, if we recognize one size fits all is not going to work, but instead we intentionally are going to be people who prioritize faith, then it means that there's grace given for the person who doesn't believe the same thing you do or think the same way you do about whether or not, you know, kids should be in school or whether or not you know, teachers should wanna be in school or who should be elected in November or what we think about what's going on inside of racial tension inside of our, our country or what we think about the governor or what we think about the numbers and are they true or are they not true and, and all those different things that are important things for us to think about Six months ago, a year from now, we would have those conversations in person and we would supplement those conversations with online reflection. This year, we don't really see each other face-to-face and so we begin here and maybe just maybe we get the opportunity to do a personal conversation later. We need to be very careful as the people of God that inside of our frustration, inside of our exhaustion... Inside of our thinking and trying to like, you know, reason through where are we and what's going on and how do we make sense of it. All these things that are important to try to make time to have the personal conversations so that we don't just live and exist here and say and do things and treat one another differently than how we know that we want to and should treat one another and value community. It's important now more than ever that we be the church, even if we can't always be together in the same room as the church It's important that we value people over opinions and statements and just uh, whatever things that we're trying to work through. We want to do this together and be the church together. I think it's part of what it means to prioritize faith this fall because this fall is a challenging time for way more than just COVID, way more than just are my kids going to be in school or not in school or is it going to be hybrid, is it going to be virtual, like we live in a complicated, difficult time the world needs the church and you know what you and I need the local church all right so that was my introduction we're supposed to be shorter here and we got communion coming up uh, but that's okay I'm prepared for that Um, I want to take you into a passage of scripture that is very familiar to you in John chapter 2 this is the first miracle uh, that John records for us Uh, John is not always chronological, although there's plenty of evidence to suggest that this miracle took place early on in Jesus' ministry. Uh, It's a miracle that we don't always talk about a lot. Maybe you've read it or you've heard it read at a wedding. Or maybe in regard to God providing or God doing exceedingly abundantly more than we ever thought or could ask or imagine. Uh, But today I want us to think about it in terms of what it means to prioritize faith in Christ. And so John chapter 2 beginning with verse number one. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Again, it's a parable, that, or it's a, it's a miracle. It's not a parable. It's a, it's a true story that actually took place that Jesus, you know, early in ministry engages in, and we don't talk about it a whole lot. Again, you may have heard about it in, you know, at, at, a, at a wedding ceremony. It might be something that you remember from Sunday school. Uh, maybe depending on the church you grew up in, this was not one of the miracles that was talked about because nobody wanted you to get the wrong idea about what Jesus wanted to provide for you or didn't want to provide for you. And, uh, but You know, there's something about this that really just stands out, that Jesus' presence there at a wedding, providing, stepping in. I want us to think about not just God's provision on display, but the way in which inside of that miracle, how it works, uh, the priority that people place upon faith and upon action and partnering with uh, Jesus inside of the miracle that takes place. Do you know it's a miracle that probably doesn't happen without Mary? If you think about it, Jesus seemed to have very little interest in doing anything and almost seemed to be, if you could say that Jesus was annoyed at his mom, maybe that was the case at the beginning of this because he seemed to almost suggest, why are you asking me? It's not my time yet. I'm just here for the wedding. But Mary brings this situation to his attention. Do you know, with this miracle also, it's not a situation of life and death. There's no reason that if, you know, if Jesus did not intervene and do something, no one would have died. No one would have been, you know, hurt. Nobody would have been troubled inside of their faith. It just would have been a wedding ceremony where that just runs out of wine. But if you look a little bit deeper and, and you begin to look at, you know, the first century world, We sort of understand this, that if you have people over to your home or if you host a party, there's something about being a good host that you want to be able to provide for the needs of your guests. This is amplified in the first century that there would be great dishonor that would uh, come upon this young couple to not be able to provide for their guests in the way that they should. And so maybe you can make the argument that Jesus cares enough about this young couple that he wants to preserve their dignity and their standing and what other people think about them let's be honest there is no ear that's placed back on somebody's head inside of this situation there aren't 5,000 people who were hungry and get fed there is no one who is dead and gets raised to life there is no one who is blind and gets their sight back this seems to almost be an optional miracle that Jesus chooses to step in and and do but I think inside of that again there's some handles about uh, how God works And first of all, let me just say this, that there is nothing too small to be of concern for God. That you've heard this to be the case, and and it's probably somewhat of a Sunday school answer, but that Jesus cares about the things that you care about. That the concerns that are on your heart also matter to him. And so sometimes we think, and and sometimes I've been in conversation with you all or in text message, and you'll say, "Can can you pray for this? And it's almost like, as an apology, you say, I realize that there are people going through far more difficult things. I realize there's way bigger things we could pray about, but pastor, would you just remember this? If there's a spot on the bottom of your prayer list, can you at least write in this situation? And and I get what you're saying. There's something about we don't want to be people who just pray for trivial things or that all of our prayers are self-focused or self-centered. I get that. But Jesus cares about the things that you care about. And that there is no concern that you bring that is outside of his ability and desire to give attention to. And so Jesus enters in here not because people were going to die or starve or walk away from faith. But simply because there was a need. And the need was brought to Jesus and he responded. Interestingly, I wonder if anybody really knew what took place. We know Mary knew. We knew that we know that the servants knew. The disciples knew. The master of the banquet, who is really almost like a head usher or almost like the, the leader of all the staff who's there. This is not the master in the sense of the owner. This is the person who is running the party. We know that he knew, and maybe the rest of the people who were there, maybe the guests said that you know, there is good wine. Why is there good wine at the end? Well, that's because, you know, maybe the story gets out. I'm sure word kind of spread. But this is a situation where the miracle that took place did so in such a way that, that it allowed everyone just to continue on like they would normally go, not even aware of the fact that something phenomenal had just taken place. But let's unpack what begins to happen. Not just Jesus who turns water into wine, but Mary, who prioritizes faith in such a way that she saw a need and she brought it to Jesus. Let's talk about servants who aren't servants of Jesus. These aren't disciples of Jesus. Maybe they've never even heard about Jesus, but when instructed, they go and get water. They, they take uh, these stone vessels that hold, you know, 20 to 30 gallons of water, and they fill them. They probably walk maybe upwards to a mile to bring back 150 gallons of water to put inside of these stone jars. And they didn't do just enough to get by. It said they filled them to the brim. I don't know why. I don't know what they thought was going to happen, what they expected. But they were simply obedient to do what Jesus told them to do. And then there were the disciples who didn't just cast this aside as, uh, well, maybe something happened, maybe it didn't, I can't be sure. But they saw and they witnessed and they verified a miracle that had taken place because their eyes were open to look for what God was doing in their midst. To prioritize faith inside of every aspect of their daily life. So real quick, I just want to give you three handles that just come right out of this story that I think help us and what it means to prioritize faith this fall. The first is to, to bring your needs to Jesus. We've already, already you know, talked about that, that there's no... Uh, thing that is too small, but to bring your needs to Jesus. Again, this is an obvious thing, but how many times do we go everywhere else in the world with our needs, with our thoughts, with our problems, with our objections, and maybe we will summarize it in a short prayer later, but what would it look like to bring your very self and your needs to Jesus? Your emotions, your fears, your struggles, your concerns, your schedule, the places where you feel inadequate. Not just to bring your you know, next-door neighbor who's got a hip surgery next week. Yes, pray for them. But, but to bring your very self and your deepest needs to Jesus because he cares for you. Second, to offer him what you have. And most of the time, what you have seems meager to the challenge that's in front of you. Most of the time, what you have doesn't seem enough. And it's certainly less than somebody around you that you think is way more prepared for for the situation that you're in than you are. But time and time throughout Scripture, what God was able to do with and through someone who simply just offered him what they had, whether it was a little boy's lunch, whether it was the, the staff in, in the hand of a shepherd, whether it was someone who said, God, you place me here and I'm going to seek to be faithful, just to offer him what you have. Because it's not about what you have or the quality or the quantity of what you have, but the willingness to offer what you have that paves the way for a miracle to take place. Never underestimate what God can do with six empty stone jars and a well that's a mile away to perform a miracle. And then this is the big one, and this is the the one that I think takes us into the fall, and what we really need to do is not just to bring your needs, offer what you have, but then do what he tells you to do. Mary's advice is timeless. When she looks at the certain the servants and she doesn't know what he's going to do if he's going to do anything probably there's even a concern in her in her heart if he can do something even though we know mary has faith in who jesus is but she probably doesn't know the answers but she simply looks at them and says just do what he tells you to do that's the nature of christian discipleship right there when god speaks inside of your life listen when he prompts something, don't just explain it away as, I know that I should, but it's so hard, and so many other Christians don't, and I wish that I could, but there's so many things. What if we just did what he told us to do? And sometimes, let, let me just give you a, a clue there, that we pray and we wait for answers and we long for answers and we wish that God would speak. Why don't you start with Matthew chapter 1 and read through the end of John 21, I think there's a bunch of different things that Jesus told us to do that we haven't completed yet, and so... If you're waiting on an answer, there's probably a few more things that he told you to do that we can work on in the meantime while we await his answer there. But to learn to listen and to learn to obey. A few months ago, and this was actually before the pandemic, but we made the statement that when life is at its worst, God is at his best. That when our routines vanish, when our resources run dry, when we don't know where to go to get the things that we need, when there's nowhere else to turn, God shows up. And if he would endeavor to do that at a wedding celebration where there was really nothing of significant importance on the line, but he still showed up, I wonder how much more so he wants to show up inside of our culture, inside of your family, inside of your workplace, inside of our nation. How much more so would he desire to show up today but we have a responsibility we have work to do it's the fall it's the time when we get back to the routine and back to normal and it's going to be a a new normal and the routine's not going to be as routine as you wish it were but we have choices to make to bring your needs to Jesus and offer him what we have and do what he tells us to do He can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. He can take the unpleasing and make it extravagant and remarkable. He can take what's lacking and turn it into that which is abundant. So by design, this morning's message is general. It's somewhat vague even. You could take those phrases and apply it to everything. Bring your needs to Jesus, offer him what you have, do what he tells you to do. But the reason it's vague in general is because, again, back in the beginning when I said we are all in different places. I don't have your schedule. I don't have your concerns or lack of concerns, you know, about what's going on inside of COVID or our nation or whatever. We're all at different places in different backgrounds with different different things going on inside of our lives. But I simply just want to ask you, what does it look like to prioritize your faith this fall? How will you worship? How will you grow inside of your faith? How will you connect in meaningful ways with life-giving relationships and people that you can build into and people that can build into you? How will you serve? Even to say, what do I want to look differently three months from now when we get ready to celebrate Christmas? What do I want to look different than it looks today? Two things as we close. The first is, in a couple of minutes, we're going to receive communion, and whether you're at home doing this or here, uh, I'm blessed to be able to, that we get to partake of this together in person today. Let me just give you a warning. Sometimes these things can be a little bit tricky. There is a wafer on top. There is juice below that. Sometimes when you pull this up, the first thing you see is the juice. Go ahead and take it. Jesus is not going to be mad at you if you take communion out of order. I'd much rather you do that than to try to like fidget around to get, to get the wafer out and throw grape juice on your neighbor so uh, go ahead and open it if you open the juice first go ahead and drink it there's a wafer in the little top part but we're going to receive the elements together in just a couple of moments the second thing I want to tell you is this week uh, by email but as well in a in uh, regular U.S. mail you're going to receive something from us that's going to talk about the fall and what's going on it is not going to be here's five events we're excited about It's not going to be this this grand, you know, this is when we all return and we all get to be together. Instead, it's going to be a little, uh, it's going to look like a flow chart or a decision tree that's going to walk you through either as individuals or as families, how are we going to prioritize faith this fall? In terms of worship, relationships, growth, and service. I want to invite you, I want to, if I could make you do what I would, I want to strongly encourage you to take the time necessary to think through that. Again, this year is not, here's all the wonderful things happening at the church, come join us. This fall is more about how are you going to prioritize faith and you let us know how we can help, resource, and equip you to do that. Because it may not look the same. It's not going to look the same. And so the requirement is not for you to show up at this building three times a week to prioritize your faith. The the priority is that you'll prioritize faith and then let us know how we can help you do that because we want to be faithful witnesses for Christ despite the situation inside of our world, despite what's going on, despite the level of access we have to one another. Like exiles out of Jerusalem or... Israelites wandering in the desert, the situations are not optimal, but you still have the responsibility and the mandate, according to the gospel, to be faithful and responsive to the God who gave his life for you. And so what's it look like to prioritize faith this fall? Communion today, it begins inside of that personal relationship with you and your Savior, to connect with him. And then secondly, I think we need to be strategic and we need to have a plan. We don't want to just drift, but we want to be intentional about our faith. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would take uh, this message, but even the other ways that you've been speaking inside of our hearts and inside of our minds, the things that we don't feel settled about, the things that we feel agitated or frustrated even perhaps the hopes or the the dreams or the things we're excited about. And Lord, would you do the work to make this personal inside of our lives that we would make faith a priority this fall in how we worship and in how we grow, how we connect with people, how we serve. Lord, that you would give us the particulars and Lord, I pray that you would help us all to simply just do what you tell us to do. Lord, we're grateful for your broken body and your shed blood we're grateful that at all times and in all places and all scenarios and cultures and pandemics and situations lord that at all times and in all places your grace is enough for us and so this morning the foundation or our faith in you is not what we can do or it's not a particular event or thing that we feel impressed upon the foundation of our faith is what you've already done and declared to be true of us And so, God, I pray that you would meet us inside of these moments, in the elements of communion. But I pray that you would also meet us as we sit and have conversations and put pen to paper and think about what the fall could look like. Lord, that in both settings that you would meet us. Father, we ask now that you would come that as we wrap up this service that you would meet us here. Help us to recognize our need for you. And that in you and you alone, Lord, we find hope and we find life. Would you meet with us inside of these moments, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.